It's Friday evening, it's five o'clock, and that can only mean one thing, that's right, it is Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. We don't have Brian here today, uh, but we'll have him back next week, and uh, I'd like to also congratulate, uh, we'd also like to congratulate uh, Mary uh, Colloran, who uh, who won uh, this week's uh, 50-50 draw of €135, Euros, so congratulations, and uh, she'll, be check- she'll be collecting her cheque next week, so congratulations on that. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in, we hope you enjoy what we have coming up for the next two hours, two hours of the latest sports and interviews and uh, of course uh, so, some opinions as well from myself and uh, what, I, what I think is uh, so, so from some of the headlines as well. Um, we'd like to th- I'd like to thank Louise uh, for, for another great show and also um, as well Joe Bamry for two great shows and of course every, I'd like to say well done to all the presenters here on Ross FM and everyone at the back of the, in, the, in the background who uh, make, it, make it possible for these shows to go out and of course our, our sponsors as well so we'd like to thank them and of course the sponsor of this show uh, Best Drive here in Roscommon Town we'd like to give them a special thanks as well and we, we hope you enjoy what we are going to have for you. We're going to kick off the show as always myself and I, I'll be reading out the uh, re- the Premier League results and of course the results of the uh, very important um, predictions as well uh, myself and of course Martin Dunn uh, Emer and Dara uh, Noel and Noel's father and of course Brian and uh, his mum as well will be uh, we'll be reading out all those and uh, how how we all got on in the predictions so you can stay tuned for that and uh, also we'll also have um, rugby view with myself and Adrian or Adrian Leddy we'll be looking at we'll be doing all the local regional and national and international um, rugby that'll be coming along after that and uh, we'll be of course looking ahead to the Ireland-Scotland game tomorrow very important game a huge game uh, a game I'm looking forward to myself and I'm sure you are as well so uh, get our opinions uh, tune in and listen to uh, listen to that preview as well and also a very special interview with a, a lovely lady called um, Sarah McFadden and she is a player on the Ireland uh, visual uh, visual impaired rugby team and she'll be telling us all about her uh, her involvement in that and of course she'll be travelling with the uh, the Ireland squad to the uh, visually impaired World Cup in France so you can hear all about her uh, her um, inspired uh, her and what she's doing as well she's also a member she also works with the um, she also works with uh, Vision Sport and of course they're part uh, in partnership with the National Council for the Blind of Ireland. So there's two very interesting interviews. All that and much, much more will be coming up. So we hope you enjoy uh, what we have. So stay tuned. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear what you have to say. If you have any, uh, if you have any views, or if you want to give, uh, if you want to give a shout out to anyone, you can give a shout out. Uh, you can text or uh, WhatsApp a message to zero eight three eight five double nine seven four eight. That's zero eight three eight five double nine seven four eight. And don't forget, uh, there's many great shows here every day on Ross FM from Monday to Friday from 9 o'clock right through till 7 in the evening so uh, why not tune in and uh, we have something for everyone and of course uh, I was saying this morning uh, with, with my good friend um Lovers, who was presenting Lovers Paradise as well, and uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be on the show. So thanks very, very much for that. And uh, so yeah, so there's uh, plenty to uh, there's plenty to look forward to. And uh, of course, we'll kick off the show like I was saying. Uh, we'll start off with the Premier League results from last week: Aston Villa six, Brighton one. And uh, yeah, Aston Villa six, Brighton one, Bournemouth nil, Arsenal four, uh, Everton one. 
Luton 2, Manchester United 0, Crystal Palace 1, Newcastle United 2, Burnley 0, uh, West Ham United 2, Sheffield United 0, Wolves 2, Man City 1, Spurs 2, Liverpool 1, Knott's Forest 1, Brentford 1, Fulham 0, Chelsea 2 and uh, Luton Town 1, Burnley 2. And the results are as follows... Uh, I got 5 out of 11 uh, Dara got 5 out of 11 Emer got 4 out of 11 Martin got 5 out of 11 Noel got 4 out of 11 Brian got 3 out of 11 Mary got 7 out of 11 and Eugene uh, Eugene Walsh got 4 out of 11 so it's, it's a great week for uh, for, for Mary uh, for Mary Collar, she she won the 50-50 draw and she also won the predictions for this week. So well done uh, if you're tuned in there. So well done. So I suppose for the season, I'm, uh, I have won two and Martin has won two. And uh, Aidan, uh, so I've won one and uh, against that's between myself and Martin. Uh, I'm on one, Martin's on nil and uh, Mary three, Noel one. Brian 3 and Eugene 0 uh, Martin in work uh, for where Martin works Emer's on 3 Dara's on 5 and Martin's on 4 and uh, the Premier League uh, the Premier League matches for the uh, for the week we'll uh, read out the predictions now we'll move on to the predictions and my predictions are as follows um, for this weekend starting Saturday the 7th um, Luton Town um, I put down Luton Town versus Spurs I put a Spurs win Burnley versus Chelsea I put a Chelsea win uh, Chelsea or uh, Everton versus Bournemouth I put a draw Fulham versus uh, Sheffield United I put a Fulham win uh, Manchester United versus Brentford I put Brentford and uh, Crystal Palace versus versus Nottingham Forest I put Crystal Palace and for Sunday's matches then I put uh, Brighton uh, Brighton Liverpool I put Liverpool win and uh, West Ham United West Ham United uh, versus Newcastle United I put um, I put a Newcastle win there uh, Wolves versus Villa I put Villa and Arsenal versus uh, Man City I put as a draw and uh, moving on to Dara's uh, for Saturday the 7th and uh, Luton Town versus uh, Spurs he put Spurs uh, Burnley versus Chelsea he put Burnley Everton versus Bournemouth a draw uh, Fulham versus Un- uh, Sheffield United a dr- um, Fulham uh, Manchester United versus Brentford he put Man- Manchester United Crystal Palace versus Spur- uh, versus Nottingham Forest he put um, he put uh, he put uh, Palace and um for Sunday the eighth, he put in for uh, for Bright- Brighton versus Liverpool. He put Liverpool, uh, West Ham United versus uh, Newcastle. He put a draw. Uh, Wolves versus Aston Villa. He put um, a Villa win. And Arsenal versus Man City. He put uh, a, a Manchester City win. And moving on to moving on to Emer Tully's um, predictions. And for uh, Saturday the for Saturday the seventh and. Uh, Luton Town versus Spurs. He put Spurs. She put Spurs. Burnley versus Chelsea. She put Chelsea. And Everton versus Bournemouth. She put Everton. Uh, Fulham versus Sheffield United. She put Fulham. Manchester United versus Brentford. A draw. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest went for a Crystal Palace win. And Sunday's uh, Sunday's predictions then. And uh, Sunday the eighth of October. And it's. Um, it's Brighton for the Brighton versus Liverpool game. She put um, for, she put Liverpool, um, West Ham United versus um, Newcastle. She put a draw. Um, 
Wolves versus Villa, she put Villa. And finally, uh, for Arsenal versus Man City, she put Manchester. Or no, she put uh, Arsenal. Sorry, they're, uh, sorry, they're Emer. Yeah, so she put an Arsenal win there against against Man City. And moving on to Martin. And uh, his... Um, his predictions from for Saturday the seventh: Luton Town versus Spurs. He put Spurs. Um, Burnley versus Chelsea, but he put Chelsea. Uh, Everton versus Bournemouth. He put Everton. Fulham versus uh, Sheffield United. Um, put Fulham. And uh, for Man United versus Brentford, he put uh, Manchester United. Crystal Palace versus Notts Forest. Uh, put Crystal Palace. And. Um, for uh, Brighton versus Liverpool, put Brighton for put Liverpool. Uh, Sheffield or um, West Ham United versus Newcastle. She put, he put um, he put Newcastle. Wolves versus Aston Villa put a draw, and Arsenal versus Man City put a draw as well. And uh, for Noel's predictions, uh, Luton Town versus Spurs put a Spurs draw, uh, Spurs win. Um, Burnley versus. Uh, Chelsea put a Chelsea win. Everton versus Bournemouth a draw. Fulham versus uh, Sheffield United uh, put a Fulham win. Manchester United versus Brentford a draw. Crystal Palace versus uh, Notts Forest a draw. And for Saturday, the predictions for Sunday, I should say, the eighth of October, uh, Brighton versus Liverpool a draw. Um, West Ham versus Newcastle a draw. Wolves versus Aston Villa. Uh, and Aston Villa win, and uh, Man and uh, Man City versus Arsenal is a uh, draw as well. And fi- and then next up on to Brian's predictions, and for uh, Saturday the seventh uh, of October, um, Luton Town for, for Luton Town versus Spurs, he put a Spurs win. Uh, Burnley versus Chelsea put a Chelsea win. Everton and uh, Bournemouth is a draw. Fulham versus she- Sheffield United is a draw. Uh, Manchester United versus Brentford, a Brentford win. Crystal Palace versus Notts Notts Forest, um, a Crystal Palace win there. And for Sunday's predictions, then uh, Brighton versus Spur- versus Liverpool, um, a draw. Um, West Ham United versus Newcastle, uh, a Newcastle win. Wolves versus Villa, a Villa win. And Arsenal versus Man City. Um, an Arsenal win there and finally on to Brian's mum uh, Mary uh, for Saturday the 7th of October and uh, Luton Town for Luton Town versus Spurs went for a Spurs win Burnley versus Chelsea went for a Chelsea win uh, Everton versus Bournemouth a draw Fulham versus uh, Sheffield United uh, a Fulham win Manchester United versus Brentford uh, went for a draw Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest went for uh, Crystal Palace win and for Sunday's predictions um, on the 8th, Sunday the 8th of October, Brighton versus Liverpool went for a Liverpool win um, West Ham United versus Newcastle went for a draw uh, Wolves versus Villa went for a Villa win and, and Arsenal versus Man City went for a Man City win, and uh, moving on then to Noel Walsh. Uh, that's Noel, uh, Noel's father, Eugene Walsh. Um, he went for uh, for Saturday, the seventh of October. Um, went for L- Luton Town versus uh, Spurs. Went for a Spurs win. Burnley versus uh, Chelsea went for a Chelsea win. Everton versus Bournemouth went for a Bournemouth win. Fulham versus Sheffield United went for a Fulham win. 
Uh, yeah, went for a Fulham win. Uh, Manchester United versus Brentford went for a Man United win. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest went for a Palace win. And uh, the Sunday, Sunday then, um, Brighton versus uh, Liverpool went for a Brighton win. Um, West Ham United versus uh, versus Newcastle went for a Newcastle win. Or sorry, went for a went for a West Ham win. Uh, Wolves versus Aston Villa went for a Villa win and. Arsenal versus uh, Arsenal versus Man City went for a draw, so that's so that's going to be very interesting. So uh, thanks very much uh, for everyone for sending in their in in the in the um, in the predictions. So uh, next up we'll have uh, we'll have more headlines coming up, and next up we have uh, coming up now we have. The All Things Rugby with myself and Adrian Leddy in Rugby View, and that's coming up right now. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's uh, Rugby View with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And, of course, as always, from Craig's Rugby Club, from the, the, the hot climbs, according to what he's saying, of France, we have exclusive coverage with Adrian Leddy. Hello, Adrian. How are you? Are you well? Very good, Aidan. Uh, yes, it's uh, very very enjoyable, and uh, it's been lovely break and particularly now that we have a break between us, uh, one can get out of Paris and uh, tra- travel on to see uh, quite a bit of France so um, uh, I'm delighted uh, to ha- have the the opportunity to be able to do this and uh, there's, it's a beautiful country and beautiful sights and beautiful everything that goes with it So you're getting you're getting, uh, you're getting getting cultured over there and uh, that, that's I'm sure why not a, a bit of culture and a bit of sport you couldn't have it any better <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, yeah so uh, I suppose yeah we'll, we'll kick yeah. off with um, with Craig's Rugby Club and all that's going on there as I say it's uh, it's well underway at Craig's Rugby Club I suppose at underage level mini rugby level and of course the first and seconds yeah uh the the numbers um are fantastic at uh, mini rugby uh it's really up and rolling and um every saturday morning and what we're looking for is that you know we with the influx of boys and girls uh we need more coaches and we'd like that uh, parents um uh would would take up uh working with some of our coaches there as well so uh, to be a great help and um, to have more people helping uh, out on a Saturday morning. So anybody interested in coaching uh, should contact uh, Liz Payne, uh, uh, our mini rugby coordinator. So I think that would be very important to have as many people as possible. I know in my day when I was involved with mini rugby, numbers oftentimes were scarce on a, on a Saturday morning and it, it left it a, a lot more difficult to, to, to deal with it. You could only do you could only do the straightforward things. You couldn't. You couldn't do individual drills or with the players. So, if you have a, a number of coaches, you can you can break them up um, and uh, work uh, a lot of drills um, with with them, which is a great help for them. And of course, uh, you know, at underage level as well. Uh, I suppose really it's carrying on from last season. Uh, you know the the great successes last season, both in uh, in the boys and the girls underage. Uh, you know it's uh, it, it's going well so far, even though it's only early yet in the season. The, the kind of league is up and running uh, for for all the youths and and 
uh, and our under 16s uh, was away le- last last week. Uh, they they played Galway Bay. Uh, they had a, a very good win against Galway Bay, and you know to to have an under 16 team to come up against a good Galway club um, is is fantastic, and to to get a result away from home is even better. And our under 16 girls are natural to the boys, and they had a great win at home to uh, Sligo. So. Um, it, like it's it's good competition. Um, it's great to have um, both boys and girls out there. And we had an under thirteen side that uh, went uh, their first game at at the fifteen side um, uh, game. They once you be, uh, you play mini rugby up until twelve years, and after that, then it goes into it goes into a fifteen side game. So it takes a it takes a while to adjust. From playing mini rugby to going to a, a 15 aside game, so uh, our under our, our under 13s um, were away to Galwegians uh, last weekend. Now they came out the wrong side of the result, but that wasn't really important. The important thing was that they got out there. Uh, they played for both sides. They played a, uh, a 15 aside game, and and they learned from that. And it's great experience, not alone for themselves, but for the for the coaches involved with the team as well. That's it, and it, it, it's great to see that. And uh, you know, it's uh, still, you know, it's a long season ahead as well. So uh, you know, the, this under thirteen side will have a lot to learn as they as they get through the season. And they will they will pick up. I have seen I seen it in in the past that they're kind of um, following the ball more than uh, keeping their alignment the way they were uh, that the way they were doing it in uh, mini rugby. So you have to try and get them that they have to. Spread out across the pitches. The big pitch uh, when you're uh, playing, uh, they're full into a pitch. Um, so at mini rugby level, you would probably only be playing a half a pitch. So that's a big adjustment in itself uh, for for young lads to and young girls to to be able to change to the the fifteen aside game. That's it, and uh, you know we'd like to wish the under thirteens and uh, you know indeed all the underage. So what else has been going on uh, at underage level in in uh, Craig's rugby club? Well, I suppose that they that they're training uh, every night for all the for for all the youth teams as well, both boys and girls, and for the first and second teams, uh, all all training for the different competitions. Our first. Uh, were knocked out of the Kylie Cup in the semi-final against Dunmore. Um, a, a very tight game, just over over and back uh, for 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 most of the game, and in the end, um, uh, Dunmore uh, won out, got uh, penalties in in the latter end of the game. So, but it was a great game, a fantastic a fantastic game of rugby, um, played in, in good conditions in 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 Dunmore. So. Um, we we will have to play Dunmore in our first game in in the league in um, two weeks' time. So this is a good warm up game to know exactly what our our first team is going to be up uh, against. So Dunmore goes on then to um, to play Chum in the final of the Carly Cup, where Craig's uh, travel down to uh, Limerick uh, this weekend uh, to t- to take on. Um, uh, the 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 Limerick Limerick side and you know again it's um, Newcastle West uh, in in Limerick they're a good very good strong um, junior club in in 
in Limerick and in Munster. And this is in the All-Ireland uh, Junior Cup competition. And uh, it's a great competition. Last year, we, we went up to up north to play Clare Valley. Uh, Clare Valley went on to to uh, get promoted in to the IRL this year. So it just shows the, the strength in in clubs that win out in the, the the junior leagues within their own within their own province. So we'd be hoping that Craig's will give a good uh, account of themselves uh, in Limerick, the home the home of rugby, as as we all call it, and. Uh, it will be um, to be just interesting to see how good uh, Craig's match up against the Munster side. And I suppose uh, the plus sides from those from those two games, the game against Dunmore, like you said, and this game that's uh, against Newcastle West this weekend. Um, the good thing about it is, you know, it's it's playing at a different level and uh, playing against two quality sides that they've, you know, they're playing one next weekend and they played one last weekend. In two different competitions, you know, when it comes to going back to the um, to the league, um, you, you know, they'll, they'll have sharpened up a lot, and it, it, it's a kind of a, it's a good test uh, to see where they are. But I, I suppose, you know, from a from a point of view, you just said there that uh, they're playing; they've already played Dunmore, like you said, they're playing them again in the league. So I suppose from that point of view, for Craig's for for Craig's first team. Uh, what would they have learned? Do you think from the from the Cali Cup that they can work on for when they play Dunmore, uh, so that they can get it right with the play Dunmore in the league? Well, I think one thing is that we don't need to be given away as many penalties as as we're given away. We have to to learn the new rules in relation to tackling and uh, tackling tackling low. Um, it's um, it's very important that. Uh, that you stay within the rules of the game, uh, uh, that they don't be given away silly penalties. Because if if as Dunmore had a good kicker, um, they they ended up getting a number of penalties during the game. So that was one of the the downsides of the of the Craig's team. But uh, it, they played with great heart. Uh, both, both you know both both sides. It was a great a, a great tester, and good luck to Dunmore and good luck to Dunmore in in the final against Tom. The you know the as I said, uh, they won. They won the game deservedly, and uh, we wish, we wish them luck in the final. And I suppose increment like over the next couple of weeks, uh, more and more of the first team players will be coming back into the side as well. So that'll that'll obviously steady the ship as well. Oh, you're absolutely right, Aidan. Uh, there's a, a, a few uh, stalwarts there uh, that uh, can come back into the side, and uh, we welcome them back. Now, our, our captain. Um, Brian Diffley got injured in the Dunmore game, so hopefully uh, that is not a long-term injury. And uh, I haven't heard the update on the situation, but I would say that he he won't be fit for this weekend. But hopefully that he he'll be hit fit for the following week uh, against Dunmore, uh, because uh, Brian Brian is an influential uh, figure on on the Craig's team. Is like Johnny Sexton is to the Irish team. Uh, we we need to have. Uh, Brian on 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 the field. He's a a natural leader. He's you know he he play he plays hard, and a lot of the team uh, uh, respects that, and uh, you know tries to uh, it lifts the whole team uh, around him in in Craig's. 
And of course, I suppose with like like any natural leader as well, uh, Brian would be. We'd first of all like to wish him a, a speedy recover from whatever the injury is, but also like from a le- his leadership qualities. I suppose you know a lot of people say, and it is it's to do with what you say in the dressing room and what you say throughout the game. But it's it's also leading by example what you do on the pitch, what you do on the training pitch. Uh, you know, on and off the pitch, I suppose, really, in all aspects, that's um, that's the sign of a true leader, and that that's obviously what he brings to the table. I think that's very important. I think that's important that he uh, uh, that uh, Brian is is fit for the Dunmore game because it's his it's his leadership on on the pitch is is very important. And I know that he has a, a you know a few. Good players around them that has been playing for a while as well to give them that support. But when you have a lot of young um, uh, players within a side, you need you need to have a couple of leaders there to to carry uh, the the rest of the team and to give them that confidence in in the game. So when their heads go down, you need somebody uh, there to be able to pick them up and to and to go again. You just can't uh, allow yourself to. Uh, that if the opposition scores a try, that your heads go down, that you just have to come back again at at, at the team, and that's you know that's the uh, Craig's quality over the years, and we have won a lot of games in in the last couple of minutes of games. That's it. And uh, moving on then to AIL, and I suppose the uh, the, the the Connacht teams that are uh, that are involved, and I suppose they include Buccaneers. Um, Buccaneers and also Sligo Rugby Club, um, Sligo Rugby Club, Carrick Rugby Club, Galwegians, Corinthians, all those teams, um, you know their 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 seasons are well underway in the in the um, AIL as well. Yeah, uh, the um, uh, the other thing that has started up is the the kind of schools leagues as well. They they have kicked off. Um, uh, uh, last week, so again, we're going to have um, uh, reports on on schools coming in now as well. So the CBS uh, will be out and involved uh, both at senior level and junior level, and uh, the same with with the community college, the Ballygar School, other schools, um, secondary schools around. So we look forward to uh, giving a report in in relation to the the schools league uh, during during the season. So. Uh, and it's you know it's great to have it have it up and running again because that helps out the clubs. The schools games are normally played on on a Wednesday, uh, a Wednesday during the week, and um, the the same players can play then for their club at the weekend. Uh, you mentioned the Buccaneers and and AIL. AIL is going to be up and running as you say uh, next weekend for for all the clubs. Uh, the the club is like the Buccaneers you mentioned. Uh, Sligo will be in it. Uh, uh, Galwegians, Corinthians, and Ballina from from uh, Connacht. So uh, again, that's um, uh, will be uh, a great competition. It's um, Buccaneers um, ha- have been doing very well. They're playing at, at, at the highest level uh, with, with, within the, the division. So they. You know, we'll be looking forward to Buccaneers putting in a, a good year. Last year, they came a bit unstuck in the end, so let's hope that they can turn it around this year. And they have a lot of young lads coming through because their under twenties are going extremely well. Uh, they had a, a big win against uh, College um, in, in Galway University of Galway uh, last weekend. 
so therefore they qualify for the um, uh, Division Two spot in in the Leinster League, and they'll they'll have a a league fixture uh, every weekend now with within within the Leinster League. So that's that will be the under twenties. And the second side in Buccaneers is going very well this year. Uh, they had a good victory over um, uh, Ballina last 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 weekend in the semi final of the Curly Cup. So uh, you know again. Buccaneers um, there will take on Corinthians in the final of that competition. That's the Corley Cup. It's uh, uh, in honour of uh, uh, Mr. Corley in in Ballyhonest that uh, put put up the cup for the for the competition. So uh, again, it's normally the final is played in 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 Ballyhonest. So we look forward to a good game there between uh, Ballina and Corinthians in the final. That's it, and of course uh, that that uh, brings us on to uh, to Connacht Rugby as well, and uh, their uh, their preseason pre- preparations have uh, have been going well. And it, it, look, it's it's getting very near that uh, that key time when the uh, UFC the um, you know the, the the league will be starting, and uh, that that'll be uh, what, what it's all about. Yeah, just before I go on to Connacht, I just mentioned uh, Sligo and Carrick, uh, Sligo. Uh, lost out to a very strong turn your side um, at uh, in the semi-final of the Bateman Cup uh, last weekend. Uh, again, that's a, a, an all-established uh, tournament and uh, Sligo had a home game against turn your but they came, they came up against a, a very strong uh, turn your side and, and lost out. Their uh, seconds lost out to uh, Ballinasloe in the, the Curley Cup plate. And uh, again, their youths and their women's uh, rugby is continuing to, to from strength to strength. Um, they're they're very strong at at underage level within within Sligo. They have a very good structure there. And Carrick and Shannon continues to to play uh, friendlies until their they, their particular Connacht league uh, gets up and running. And um, their their youths and minis are, are, are fully taken part. Um, they have a great turnout uh, in in Carrick um, of of mini rugby as well. So you know there there's a good future there for for uh, players coming on. And as you mentioned in Connacht, Connacht is the same. They're, they're getting these uh, warm up games uh, prior prior to uh, getting into the into the URC. Uh, they had uh, a trip to the last game they played. They had a trip to Edinburgh there, and uh, they won out had a great win against Edinburgh, 40, 45-19. Um, naturally enough, Edinburgh would be missing all the the players that away with Scotland, so they would have a uh, a lot more players missing than Connacht would have, and they would be on on the strength. Edinburgh side, Edinburgh will be different when we meet them in the ORC competition. So. Uh, again, Connacht um, is looking good. They're having a, quite quite a they've quite a good few warm up games now done at this stage. And according to um, the coaching staff, they they they're they're very happy with the way things are are working out uh, for them. That's great, and uh, I suppose that takes us on. Yes, everybody. The, uh, the what what we were all looking forward to. We were all really looking forward to the South Africa game, but. I suppose the lads, you know, the way they are and the, the way um, Andy Farrell coaches them, they won't be getting carried away with that victory over uh, 
over South Africa. They'll know the job isn't done yet, and they know that uh, they know that um, Scotland will be a formidable outfit. This oh, absolutely! It's all, this is the game that it's all to play for. Uh, uh, like if we lose this game, uh, we're on the way home. So uh, the, this is the importance of the of this game. They, uh, this is really a cup final. Uh, uh, you can call it because uh, the the whoever loses this game is is on is on the is on the flight home whether it's at home uh, whether it's back to Scotland or back to Ireland uh, this will be it so um, uh, both teams uh, knew this that it would probably come down to this game uh, before they went into uh, the World Cup uh, the, the way the the teams were drawn in the in the particular division. Uh, so uh, we we have you know done very well. We're in a stronger position than Scotland. All we need is probably to uh, to to win, and probably if we win, we automatically qualify. If we get uh, get a, a bonus point and 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 keep uh, uh, Scotland from getting a bonus point, um, we we also go through. So there's a number number of permutations there. That that we can go through if we even get a um, uh, a losing bonus point and a four try bonus point of two points that will put us through automatically as well. So you know that, but hopefully, uh, Aidan, I don't want to be biting the nails off uh, during the game. I ho- hopefully, they will be in a better position uh, than that, and that we that we can go out and keep our we our winning sequence uh, going and. I have no doubt that we will. Where we have, we have the defeated Scotland and all the last outings that we've had against them, but they're they're a, um, a strong side. They they rely very heavily on their old half in Russell. He he's a, a real playmaker, uh, and he you never know what, what he he's going he's going to do. Uh, he's like uh, Matt Hansen on on. Uh, on the Irish team, once he has the ball in the hand, he can he can do anything. And by God, he can he can turn uh, players inside out. Um, do, nobody knows which side he's going to go. Or, and that will mean that once Scotland has the ball, our defence, um, our Irish defence, is going to have to be very alert. This is going to be a totally different type of a game than the game that we prepared for against South Africa and the way we played against South Africa. This is going to be a game. That where Ireland is going to have to control the situation and um, uh, try and not kick away a ball, not to give um, Scotland any loose ball that they can counter attack uh, at us. So it, it is very, it's it's um, ex- extremely important that that we that we play to our strengths and not allow uh, Scotland into it. And when Scotland has the ball, we have to close up on them fast that we can't. Uh, we can't allow them any 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 room. If we allow them uh, too much room, they they they, they will uh, uh, destroy us and run run in handy tries as, as they showed in some of the other games. That's it, and I suppose you know we all, we all saw the the game against their game against Tonga. Uh, you know they they ran in quite a good few tries, but the the, the key thing I suppose and the satisfying thing from uh, from a Scotland point of view is they didn't concede. Um, it's not going to be that straightforward this, this this weekend. There are there are going to be some some great scores and uh, some some great 
some great rugby on display as well, and uh, this this really is what it's all about. But I, I suppose, regardless of you know how the permutations, like you just said there, um, with with regards to Ireland qualifying and making it out of the group, you know the knockout stages. No matter who we're drawn against or who we play, it's not going to be easy, regardless of who we come up against uh, after this game. No. That that's jumping ahead, but you know you know what I mean. Yeah, well, yeah. As as coaches will always say, and, uh, you don't uh, look ahead. You just take uh, what what's in front of you. We we have to uh, concentrate on on Scotland. We have to get Scotland over over first. But uh, you're right in saying that whoever uh, goes through that from now on, uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be real final days because there's, whether you whether whoever comes through from our division will be either free face in France or New Zealand and more than likely New Zealand. So it's going to be it's going to be they're all going to be tough games in 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 all the different uh sections now. And that's what you expect. Uh, that's the top teams will, will always come to, to the front. There's not there's not, there's very few surprises in in, in what at 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 the weekend that we that we're the, the team that's going to come through. That's it, and we'd like to. We'd obviously like to wish Ireland all the best luck uh, this weekend against uh, against Scotland. It's going to be a, a tough game, but it's 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 going to be a very entertaining game. And I suppose looking at the I suppose the Ireland lineup, um, the the team that uh, took to the field against um, uh, against South Africa, and uh, looking ahead to this game, can you see many personnel changes? Uh, like because I mean, if look, it did the it did the job against a very tough South Africa. So I suppose. You know, if there were to be any changes, whoever whoever is dropped, if there is anyone dropped, they could count themselves as very unlucky because everyone did a great job uh, in the South Africa game, which was the toughest to be, be out of the three games up to this. Andy Farrell isn't a man that makes too many changes and uh, he he's, uh, seems to have fairly well stuck with the team that he, that he has fielded in, in all the games so far. So, I can't see uh, too many changes in, or, or maybe no changes in 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 the team uh, that started out against South Africa. So he has all his he's all his players back, and he'll play. He'll, he'll start the, the strong his strongest side uh, against uh, against Scotland, and <clears throat> that's the way he has to try and get over this hurdle on Saturday. And uh, uh, we're all looking forward to it over here in France. That's it. Well, uh, listen, uh, I'll let you go now. Thanks very much for taking the time out to uh, Ruby View with us. Uh, enjoy some more sightseeing between now and uh, between now and the weekend, and uh, enjoy the game. I'm sure we, we'll all be we'll all be watching it, and hopefully Ireland can come out on the right side of the result. And we look for we look forward to covering that match next week. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank no you very much. No problem. Thanks very much. And uh, that was Adrian Letty from Craig's Rugby Club and myself talking about all things rugby. Kilbride Community Centre Sports Hall, Social Hall, Community Bus and Community Shop Contact us on 09066 Hello and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafty and the show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town and now I am going to go through uh, some of the headlines like or some of the fixtures from uh, from the Roscommon and District League this weekend and we start off with tonight and uh, sorry, just, we're starting off with the uh, fixtures for tonight for uh, 
for the weekend and and uh, yeah so we kick off tonight uh, Shivan Rovers versus St John's and that has a throw in that is a kick off of 8pm that's in the Premier Division and uh, moving into the, the RDFL there's coming the District Football League North Kilcarran United versus take on Balahadrine B and that kicks off at 8pm Dunmore take on Ballymo at 8pm and of course uh, last weekend just to let you know we uh, Ballinagar Manor took on uh, took on um Kilcarran, sorry, they took on uh, Dunmore Town uh, last weekend uh, in the uh, in, in our league game, and uh, we actually won seven one. So that was a, a very good win. Well done to well done to every, to all the lads, uh, you know, uh, and a good friend of mine, my, my my good friend Jerry Ward scored four out of that out of that seven. So. Uh, you know, it was a, it was great to get so that's two out of two. So uh, yeah, if uh, we get on well there, then we can get into the first division. So uh, some very interesting matches there. Unfortunately, um, on Sunday in the afternoon, at Roscommon District Football League, we went down to Galway two nil in the Oscar Trainer Cup. But uh, our next match uh, is coming up on the twenty eighth, and we're away to Mayo League. So hopefully, we can get a win on that. So uh, moving on, then as I just said, there um, Kilcarran United versus Ballahadrine B, and that's at eight pm, and Dunmore Town versus Ballymore is at eight pm. And on uh, on Saturday then, um, Kilcarran United take on Moyne Villa, and that's uh, yeah, that's a seven that that uh, takes place at two p.m. And in the women's in women's soccer, uh, in the Connacht Cup women's round one fixture, uh, all kick off all kick off times are at two p.m. Carb Carb Celtic take on uh, Balhadrin FC, uh, Kilcarran United take on Killala FC. Merview United take on uh, Shivan Rovers. Cam Celtic take on Kilchimartnock United. Boyle Celtic take on Valley Rovers. And um, Castle Celtic take on Ballinasloe Town. So then uh, moving on to... Uh, uh, also on Sunday then in the in the Connacht uh, in the Connacht Champions League Cup quarter final, uh, Moore United take on Athenry at 2pm. In the FAI Under-17s Cup... Uh, Kilcurran United take on Moy Villa at 2 p.m. In the Roscommon District Football League Premier Division, Balhadrine take on Moor United with a kickoff of 2 p.m. Uh, Ballinasloe Town take on CPAJX with a kickoff of 11 a.m. and Boyle Celtic take on Castry Celtic at 11 a.m. And in the, the North League, in, uh, in the North League, then Glen Celtic take on Ballinagar Manor. That, that game was actually postponed. Uh, there was a break for this weekend. Uh, in the South League, then uh, Sky Valley Rovers take on Dice. That, that game is at 11 a.m. St. Coons United Ahaskra take on St. John's Athletic B at 11 a.m. Rahara Rovers take on Roscommon United, and that game kicks off at 2 p.m. And uh, so that's the that's the league games for uh, that's the games for this weekend. So um, later on we might uh, I, I'll read out I'll uh, read out the uh, Ireland team for tomorrow. But in the meantime we carry on with the rugby team. And uh, as I said earlier on, I sat down and uh, had had a great uh, a great conversation with uh, Sarah McFadden, who is a member of the Ireland um, the Ireland visually impaired uh, te- rugby team who are travelling to the World Cup. Uh, on the tenth of um, the tenth of October, and that's coming up. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this uh, visually impaired rugby with myself, Aidan Raftery, and of course, as always, 
Well, well, yeah, as always, we have uh, Sarah, Sarah McFadden, who is uh, actually a player on the Ireland Visually Impaired Rugby Team. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Are you well? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. You're more than welcome. It's good, good to have you on board. And, uh, you know, you have exciting times ahead. But I suppose uh, we'll just start off the interview uh, by just getting a bit of a background and just to, to get to know yourself and um, how you got into how you got into rugby. Yeah, so my name is, is Sarah McFadden. I'm from Casbarron County Mayo originally, now living up in Dublin for, for work. Um, I have a vision impairment since I was born. I have a condition called albinism and then another one called nystagmus. So that's kind of how the, the vision impairment side of rugby came around. How I get into rugby originally was playing full contact women's rugby in school. Um, mom wasn't so, uh, wasn't so happy about that side of things. Uh, one or two concussions came my way and mommy maybe put a bit of a stop to that but once I got to college I was I was living out of home so she didn't know any difference so I played with with IT Sligo with the the women's team there for um for a couple of years as well and then I I started into the vision impaired rugby with with vision sports and it's kind of that's that's how the rugby side of things came around and I suppose uh how you got into uh rugby was it just you, you liked uh, you liked the sound of it, and you you saw you you went to matches and things, and that's how you got into it. And you, you started. You said to yourself, "I want to to play it," and this this is this is how it was set up. Or how how did your interest in rugby come about? Yeah, I've I've always been really kind of into sport and, and quite sporty growing up. I played pretty much every sport under the sun you could imagine. Camogie. I played a lot of football growing up, and then camogie was probably my number one sport, and then. I probably added a bit of rugby in for for kind of the fun of it because I love the physicality of any sport. I was always the first one to get into a, a bit of a scrap, so I felt like the physicality of rugby was something that I'd I'd really enjoy. Um, but yeah, I would have I would have kind of played that that contact rugby. I'd never played the the touch format, which the the vision impaired uh, rugby is based off. So that's been an interesting change. And I suppose there, there, there's an interesting kind of partnership between. I suppose the sport of rugby, but also your job with uh, Vision Sports Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So I started working with Vision Sports Ireland while I was in college. So, like I said, I went to IT Sligo. So I did a bachelor of business with sport. Um, while we were on our placement, I I did my placement with Vision Sports Ireland, and I haven't left since. They haven't been able to get rid of me. So, in uh, September 2021, we launched the Vision Impaired Rugby Program alongside the IRFU. So as a as a partnership in in Old Wesley, so my my role now in Vision Sports is partnerships and operations coordinator and women and sport lead, and and under that we we each of individual sports and rugby has quite thankfully fallen under right my remit, which I'm pretty happy about. So I I work alongside David McKay as the inclusion officer in the IRFU, and we're constantly trying to grow and develop the game of the I rugby since since we started it back in 2021. And of course, I know David myself. Um, you know, as I said off air, there. Um, you know, I was involved with the uh, the inclusion tag rugby uh, tournament that was on in uh, the the Centre of Excellence in Dublin, and of course the uh, mixed ability rugby tournament in uh, Buccaneers Rugby Club in June as well. So um, you you know both himself, both I know from talking to him and uh, from those two tournaments, he he is uh, a huge cog in that boot. And uh, but he'd be the first to say that. Like he's not the only one. That there's a lot of people uh, behind him and working alongside him. People like, such as yourself. And I suppose, like when you look at it historically, it's kind of only in really in recent years that um, 
you know, it's been it's kind of open to people of all abilities, really, because up until then it was just uh, you know the the normal the normal style of rugby, either rugby league or rugby union. So, but I, I think that's a that that's a huge cog and 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 uh, great to see it happening. That you know, there's people of all abilities can come together in a safe environment and uh, well, get to play different forms of rugby, like you know, tag rugby, touch rugby, uh, full contact rugby, as well as fifteen aside. And then the opportunities that come from that, as I said, with um, with Buccaneers now, they've set up a, a mixed ability and an inclusion tag rugby team as well. So I suppose that that must be, um, you must be delighted to see that side of things and to see that people of all abilities now have the opportunity to not just to play rugby, but in in that as well, the um, they're learning team skills and a lot of other skills that they can bring into their, their personal lives or indeed their working lives as well through playing rugby, which is great to see. Absolutely. And, and that's part of our mission on Vision Sports is to try and offer opportunities to people who are blind and vision impaired to get involved with sport and physical activity of their choice. And that of their choice is really important because anyone without a vision impairment can choose to, for example, take up rugby tomorrow morning if they choose, but the, that opportunity isn't always available to some with the vision impairment to do it. So we're always trying to broaden our, our kind of scope and, and what activities that we do. And it's been really, really positive with the improvements that we've seen over the last number of years with how, how I suppose, inclusion-focused clubs and, and organisations are becoming. And yes, Dave McKay has been fantastic in kind of that cog in the wheel and in supporting in, in the IRFU and, and that kind of vision-impaired rugby side of things. But we've also had Ian McKinney as well, who's been pretty amazing since we, we started off. Ian has internationally, for, for anyone who doesn't know, Ian acquired a vision impairment while playing rugby. He's a professional um uh, inter um international rugby player for Italy. He acquired a vision impairment and he he fought and, and advocated to be allowed to wear protection goggles while he was playing rugby. And yeah, so Ian's been really positive in that kind of international piece and, and support and and Ian is, is now actually a part of, of the old Wesley squad that'll be going over to attend the game. So hopefully we'll we'll have a little bit of an advantage with a, a player like Ian by our side. I see it. And I suppose for um I suppose for this team as well, uh, you know, obviously it's visually impaired. Like is there is there various levels of visually impairment that you're using that uh, for people like a minimum and maximum for, with regards to visual impairment to, to qualify to play first? Or how how does that work? Yeah, so vision impairment is is a spectrum. There's there's a lot. Well, I suppose when people think of a vision impairment, they probably think of someone with no vision at all, and they think of a a white cane and a guide dog. But it's it's such a spectrum. You have people that you probably don't even know. You have conditions like macular degeneration, cataracts that we probably know any everybody um knows somebody on a, a cataracts waiting list at the moment. I I could imagine, but. There, it's quite a spectrum. So you have B1 to B5. So B1 is absolutely no vision. And then B5 is quite useful, but still very much a vision impairment. So for vision impaired rugby, based off the speed of it. So if anyone's familiar with the, the speed of a touch rugby game, it's pretty much identical for vision impaired rugby. The only change is that they've added a bell into the ball, which probably becomes kind of obsolete. Once the ball is moving that quick, the bell doesn't generally tend to do much. So what we've done is we, we've got Gilbert to to pop a bell into one of the high-vis yellow training balls that they have, which has been really, really helpful because it's the team that, that play at the moment and, and it's 10 to go from B2 to B5. So everybody has some level of vision. There's nobody with no vision that, that's on the on the team at the moment. At the beginning, we, we had it for everybody and it's still 
to a point is open to everybody because that's what we're about. But just for competition purposes, it's B2 to B5. So everybody has some level of vision while they're playing. Like I mentioned, the, the bell is in the ball. And then we just do some additional communication to each other on the team. And there isn't a whole lot of, of other changes really made. And I suppose for you, um, you know, in your role is what you do as a job and actually playing the visual impairment rugby yourself. Um, you know, obviously you said that it's actually all Wesley that's representing Ireland. I suppose that's the unique thing about this Ireland team. It's it's a club uh, team that's representing Ireland, which which is nice in a way. And from that, it hopefully it'll organically grow and spread throughout Ireland. And through this, people will will see that you know if they know someone that's uh, has a visual impairment that they can say that is interested in the sport. Well, here is your opportunity. So I suppose from that. If someone is interested in getting getting into it, getting uh, involved in it, or maybe if there's there's people out there that are coaches and they say, right, we we, we might set up a team, we might set up a team for visually impaired um, women or men, I suppose as well is is another is another opportunity as well. Um, how do they go about? I suppose they they could contact yourselves in Visual uh, Vision Sports Ireland, or I suppose Old Wesley or that, and. Um, they could get, they could advise on how to do it. Is that is that how it would work? Or yeah, absolutely. So what we've done, and and it's something that we do across all our programs, kind of no matter what the sport is, we try and build it slowly but surely to make sure that we've pretty strong foundations in place as we try and grow a program. So anyone that's that's looking to get involved in playing is is more than welcome at the moment to to kind of join in on that old Wesley team. What we do is at the moment we're training well. <laughs> pre-World Cup we're training a little bit more but generally we train once a month to allow because we have players from literally every corner of the country coming from Tralee, Mayo, Belfast, Dublin they're they're coming from all over the country so what we do is we train once a month in, in Old Wesley um, on a Saturday so that it allows players to to travel from, from around the country for, for teams looking to get involved, I suppose over the next kind of year to two years we are looking at developing and growing at the moment we're probably we're probably going to try and, and stick to Old Wesley until we get the, the numbers up or the interest up in the country and then start growing bit by bit. So anybody that's interested in getting involved, we're always happy to have the conversations. Um, potentially junior programs as we don't have them at the moment. So we're looking to get kind of junior inclusion programs up and running over the next little while. So yeah, there's always opportunities for anybody who wants to to get involved. Just contact us. We'll, we'll always have a conversation, whether that's playing, coaching, volunteering, whatever that might be. You can email myself on, on sarah.visionsports at ncbi.ie or if you even just look up Vision Sports Ireland or Vision Sports, you, you'll find us on the internet. We're not too hard to find. And I, I suppose really, um, from from a, uh, from a lady's point, of, from you know, like ladies, ladies rugby generally, it's great to see the growth in it. Like I suppose we've seen you know, the growth in Gaelic football and uh, the publicity and the, the crowds have come up uh, in thanks to TG Carr and things like that in uh, in ladies Gaelic football. You know, in the last four or five years, there's been a huge growth in um, in, in women's rugby, both at, at international level, like like we have seen, but also at club level, like locally there, there's Craig's Rugby Club that I, I do an interview with uh, someone every week with Adrian Leddy. And they they have a this is their first year to have a, a ladies senior team in it, so that's great. And now there's the, there's this for female players with visual impairments, and I'm sure there'll be other opportunities and various things uh, coming up over the next couple of years as well. It's great to see 
and expanding. And uh, you know, I suppose from this as well, maybe maybe uh, men with visual visual impairments might uh, that'll be another side to it. And then uh, that that would be that would be great as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's quite unique. And as my role as, as women and sport officer in visual sports, we're really passionate about getting females with a vision impairment involved in sport. And it's it's quite unique in that the, the old Wesley team is a mixed team that, that's going to represent Ireland. So we're actually going to be the only, if not one of the only countries that go across having a mixed team, which is going to be really interesting. <laughs> no, no bother to any of the females on our team, I can promise you that, to, to play against the lads. But it's it's going to be quite unique and quite interesting. And it shows kind of the dedication that we have around inclusion and making sure that, that people get the opportunities to play in a sport that they want to that they want to play. And we see it all the time in, in female sport. And it's it's really coming up. I was lucky enough, you mentioned the GA there. I was lucky enough to last weekend to, to attend the the women's uh, soccer game against the Northern Ireland in, in the Aviva, 30, 30, nearly 36,000 people in attendance. And it was pretty a pretty special thing to, to experience and be a part of for the first time they got the opportunity to do that. So we see it's 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 making and it's wave it's making waves and it's kind of growing bit by bit. So I'd I'd love to see that continuing and, and to get more females involved in, in whatever sport that is that they want to do. And just back to yourself for a, for a second. Obviously, we need we we need to ask. I suppose what position you play um, on the team. Like, what's your what's your position, and um, you know what what that involves. And uh, of course, uh, you know preparation. I suppose for the World Cup as well. And how um, we say it from a training point of view, how how, uh, how an average training session would go. Yeah, so it's it's quite unique for a vision-impaired team. So I suppose when you look at a, a regular rugby team, you're probably considering who plays best in what position and who prefers to be on the wings versus scrum half versus whatever that is. For a vision-impaired team, it's slightly more unique in that we have to consider people's vision impairments and what they can see and use the best of, of what vision that they have. So you may have somebody that has a vision impairment where they can't see on their left side. So for them, they have to be on the left side of the pitch. And then we have ones who maybe can't see on their right and they're kind of going over to the right so that they're seeing the whole of the left. So it's it's quite unique in kind of where people go and what people do. And with touch being so fast, generally I end up on, on the wing most of the time, um, depending. But it's so quick with touch that everybody's a, everybody's a nine and everybody's coming in and out and supporting. So generally my... I, I don't really have a fix. Well, I, I I kind of end up on the wing most of the time, but I'm I'm pretty happy to to go wherever it needs to be. With the being a sevens format, you're pretty confident no matter where you are on the pitch. So you're you're going to be able to have that impact. So generally the wing, but but always happy to kind of to move to wherever it needs to needs to be. And of course, like it is uh, being out the wing, it's all about uh, being being fast, being being able to run down the wing. But I suppose that there is other aspects to that as well. But uh, yeah, you know, but I think the fact that it's a sevens format means that it is kind of a fast-paced sport anyway as well, isn't it? Absolutely, and I suppose I'm quite lucky that with my vision impairment, I can kind of see everything, but not in that much of detail. So it comes to the winger sometimes to be that descriptive piece where, because with touch, it's back, like you, know, you have to move back once the touch is made, you have to be back on a five metres, so you're on the ref. So it's sometimes pulling back someone that hasn't seen where the ref is standing and stuff like that. So that's kind of how that position came in originally was that I had enough vision to see where the ref was and to try and pull people back. But sometimes, and it's things you wouldn't even think of, that 
you, you can't actually see who's on the other side of the pitch. So you have to learn what football boots. So I know that Hillary on our team has orange football boots and Ian has black and pink boots and Kieran has these and he generally, it's, it's, it's all kind of learning that because you generally would see the shape of things more than the actual detail of something. So it's, it's quite unique, but it's, it's, it's been really interesting since, since I started and I'd, I'd like to keep it on for a long time. That's great. That's great. And I suppose, uh, could you take us through what an average train, what would be involved in an average training session? Yeah, so I suppose depending on depending on the time. Normally, when it's once a month, it's it's not as kind of it's a lot of skill based stuff. So it's that kind of movement. The main piece that we would probably cover the majority of training sessions is communication, because if you're not speaking with each other, you're not letting people know they can't see where you are a lot of the time. So if I'm not shouting at Johnny to tell him that I'm behind him on his right, something that every rugby player deep right, flat left, whatever that is. But it's so important when you're playing the vision impaired game because they may not know where you are on the pitch at that time or shouting that I'm nine so you don't have three people coming in to to get the ball to play it because you need to have that space and that line made to, to kind of run into the space. So for us, it's a lot of kind of communication-based work, a lot of, of defensive work with being touched. It's that really quick movement into, into change. And so once it's six touches, you're changed and you're, you're in defence and you're kind of... It's that continuous, it's not... It's not kind of as as change like over and back. So it's the the majority of it is again that communication and then that skill based in the the simple movements and that that throw and catch. And basically, it's 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 pretty similar to to any other rugby session that you be that you be going to. Apart from that additional communication pieces brought into it, that we're stricter on making sure that you're speaking to each other, that you're shouting, that you have someone that's shouting line on me back to the line, back, calling people back. Sometimes it's a thing, and if I haven't shouted, and we start again, and we'll reset, and we'll do it, and just to make sure that that communication is being brought through to the forefront at all times. And I suppose for, from a, a preparation to, uh, point of view for this for this tournament, I suppose the, the, the kind of thing that would, is probably frustrating is not being able to kind of play friendlies, or is there an opportunity? I mean, because, you know, you can, train, you can train on the training pitch, but... It's it would be brilliant to kind of get uh, you know actual actual matches. So how, how do you yeah, get so, or have you had that opportunity? So sometimes some of the guys from the old Wesley Touch team come down and, and train train kind of alongside slash support in a coaching role, and then we generally play players v coaches, which is really positive because a lot of them are, are playing full contact rugby. We have some Leinster coaches that that volunteer their time. We have professional rugby players. We have Connor Cairns from Clontarf. Dave, we have Aiden, who's who's really passionate about rugby. So we have some really kind of good coaches that are are pretty pretty damn good rugby players as well. So we always have a little bit of competition while we're training. We also had a game against um, the Harlequins vision impaired rugby team flew over from England um, to play in May. So it's not a not not that long ago. So that's kind of how the the invitation came around because the team was only established in September 2021 so we probably didn't see ourselves going to a, a Vision Impaired World Cup this quick but we played the guys in Harlequin and, and had a pretty pretty good showing particularly in the first half particular we kept them to to, to two tries to one which was, was pretty good um, but we yeah the invite came then for the World Cup after that and we weren't sure but we decided we're as well go over and, and learn and, and get that game time like you mentioned and, and play other people in, in that similar position to see what we can improve on ourselves and then hopefully towards the Six Nations next year which would be pretty good 
That's great. And, you know, just it's a testament to people like yourselves and all the coaches and everyone that's been helping out. And, uh, you know, it's going to be great to see about the growth. And uh, I suppose with each tournament, with this tournament, it'll be a huge thing for you. I suppose the whole thing about traveling over there. And uh, I suppose, look, based on that now, I suppose, uh, now that we mentioned it, um, I suppose uh, where, where, the, where the Rugby World Cup is and... Um, you know who's who's in the group? Is it like is it a group thing or is it a straight knockout or how how does it, how does the tournament operate? Yeah, so I suppose first of all, like you mentioned, it wouldn't have been possible without them coaches and, and the team and, and old Wesley and all the support that's come around from from all the different sides. We've also had two pretty big sponsors come on board for the particular trip as well, which I think couldn't couldn't be left without mentioning in in our leisure group have been fantastic and then in in PwC Ireland have come on board as well so it's been amazing to have the guys both come on board to support especially with with people with the vision impairment they're not always in the workforce which is is a pity and there's a lot of figures there but it's been really positive to kind of support the team to to go over to to represent their country so first of all that's that's been really important in terms of play at the moment we definitely have a game against Italy France Wales and England off the top of my head um it's going to be in more towards a blitz format for the for the day um there's going to be train so it's training the Wednesday training games slash friendlies on the Thursday and then the kind of knockout world cup base on the on the Friday so it's going to be a quite together with with people traveling from from all ends that the budgets definitely aren't there to to fly over to France for for two months but um we yeah the the games are going to be against them teams at the moment and then after that then it depends on on how, how other teams get on and from that sort of and of course this is in the sense this this tournament as well is like a fact finding mission I suppose in a way to see how everything operates and then like for the next one and the Six Nations as you, as you said there yourself you'll be familiar and you, you know you be you can you can maybe change preparations accordingly as as it grows as well Absolutely and it's actually it's it's the inaugural Vision of Paragraph Cup as well so to be honest I don't think any team knows what to expect before we go over so it's 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 really exciting and everybody's in a similar position yes there's teams that have been training an awful lot longer and we we, we don't forget that while, while we're prepping either but like you said it's it's that fact finding piece where we're going to find out what has gone well what hasn't gone well what we can improve and what other teams are doing because that's part of it as well is meeting other teams and when Harlequins came over we it was during our, our Mayfest celebration of Vision Sports, which is like a multi-sport come and try weekend. But on the Saturday night every year, we have a kind of get-together slash dinner slash social evening. And the guys in Harlequins were like, no, no, we're okay. And we invited them before. We met the guys during the match then and we were chatting and they're like, we'd actually love to come. Everyone had so much crack and we had loads of kind of networking and, and this is what we're doing and this is what we're doing. And that's kind of how these things come around. So if we learn a lot while we're over there, that's what's really important as well. Depend, re- results are great, but sometimes learning learning is even better. And of course, you know, you're making friends for life through sport, which uh, I think there's if there's one element in life that kind of unites people in, in, in sports, with all the things that go on in society nowadays, there's good and bad and indifferent things going on in society. Obviously, off the page, like, you, you, know, you know yourself, so um, you know that that's one great thing about sport and about the about rugby as well that the friends you you make when you're playing the different teams. But uh, I suppose you're um, you're 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 involved with the NCBI or the National Council for the Blind Ireland. Could you tell us a bit about about them just to kind of 
get them get them out there and uh, give give them a mention because they do some great work for people all over Ireland, don't they? Oh, they sure do. So uh, Vision Sports Ireland is now a subsidiary of the National Council of the Blind. So that's kind of how, how that relationship has gone. So Vision Sports was traditionally a, an independent charity and then National Government Body for Blind and Vision and Parent Sport. But then we merged into into the, what we call the NCBI family in, in March 2020. So it was quite an interesting time for a merger considering no one was allowed to meet in person. So it, it's been really, really positive. It's It's helped grow Vision Sports to four full-time and, and one full-time co- kind of contract through Sport Ireland staff and then two two support staff from NCBI as well, which has been amazing. So the guys in, in NCBI, for anyone who's not familiar with NCBI, National Council of the Blind, is they're Ireland's leading um, sight loss charity. So they do a number of kind of on-the-ground supports. You'd probably be familiar with the logo. You've probably seen the charity shops are in pretty much every town in the country, which is, which is amazing. So... They do adults, they do adult services, children's services, day support services, like day centers. They're providing kind of that on the ground support to someone who has acquired a vision impairment or is living with sight loss, whether that's orientation mobility. So learning how to use your white cane um, supports for things like uh, reading, if you need to, to get a magnifier, it's all kind of daily living supports that the guys offer. So they're a pretty amazing charity and it's 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 really special to be part of that because it provides us with access to to the members and we we just got the census data back literally uh, I got it about 20 minutes before I came on this call which is pretty astounding and there's almost 300,000 people in Ireland based off the 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 most recent census that have have ticked to say they have a vision impairment to some extent so that's a a pretty startling figure that we maybe weren't expecting to be as high so there's constantly um and new uh, services is coming into uh, NCBI and for us it's important to try and offer them physical activity as part of that offering so they get their their simple things like learning how to use a magnifier but also to us it's every bit as important to to learn how to get physically active because it's we, we all know the benefits of physical activity so the the partnership with NCBI has been really important and it's helped us to kind of grow leaps and bounds but also we like to think that that physical activity is a really important offering that, that's been added to NCBI's kind of portfolio as well. And uh, for someone, I suppose, like yourself and other people around the country that have visual impairments from one to five or six or whatever levels it is, um, I suppose compared to, we say, a couple of years, we say years ago, 10, 15 years ago until now, I suppose there's a huge difference in the services available to people uh, with visual impairments now. I suppose it's startling to see where where it started off, where services were for pe- for uh, people with visual impairments, to where it is now. I suppose they, it, it's great to see the increase and in the amount and the the various services that are in play now compared to years ago. Yeah, absolutely. But I suppose it's it's kind of not like NCBI celebrated their ninetieth anniversary there, maybe last year, the year before. So. The, the services have been there. Obviously, it's been amazing to be growing the services year on year, like you mentioned. Like when I when I was a baby, things are very different to to when when um, people are are diagnosed with sight loss. Now we have, in particular, this one kind of really amazing thing that NCBI have, and, and that's called their their ECLO service, so their eye clinic liaison surf, service. So they have a number of vision impairment specialists from NCBI that are actually based in the hospitals around we have Dublin and, and Cork at the moment and hopefully that'll grow to kind of depend on HSC funding year on year. But 
it's it's really amazing. So they're there for the point of diagnosis with an ophthalmologist when someone acquires a vision impairment, so whether that's from birth or, or later in life, and then they can pr- kind of branch them out to NCBI services. So they're there for that moment. That's really tough when you find out that, and it is, it's, it's really tough when you find out you've acquired a vision impairment or that your child has a vision impairment and you're wondering what, well, what can they do? And, and the ECLO service are all of a sudden they're here. They're not trying to, you don't have an ophthalmologist going, oh, well, if you contact NCBI and then, because sometimes it takes that bit to, to have the confidence to do that. So the ECLO service have been really positive and actually being there from the point of diagnosis to, to support a family. And yeah, the, the services that are provided are, are inc- increasing year on year. And that's a, t- a testament to to Erin Milanov and, and Chief Services Officer and NCBI and kind of always trying to to progress and, and grow. And there's some really exciting projects that are coming up that that everyone will be, I'm sure, really interested in over the next over the next year. And yeah, it's it's always growing and it's really kind of really special to be a part of that as well, to be offering people these opportunities and, and to have that little piece in, in a big puzzle. And of course, you know, it is very important that, you know, when uh, when you're talking to someone and the person themselves that has a, that has a visual impairment and their, fr- and their friends and family that maybe don't, it's kind of important to focus more. Uh, it's great uh, from someone like yourself that has it and to... Um, to focus on what you can do and rather than people kind of turn around and say like, well, you know, you watch what people can't do. So that, that's kind of a positive thing to come out, to come from around this. But I suppose uh, there's also a lot of uh, information available between, uh, I suppose, Visual Sports Ireland and also the NCBIs that, that uh, people can, if people want to find more information. Yeah, definitely. If if you're looking to find information on on either, you you'll generally find information on both on on either of the websites. But if if you want to have a look into NCBI, it's as simple as ncbi.ie or Vision Sports is it's just visionsports.ie. We're not we try to make ourselves not too hard to find, and we're always at the end of the phone if anyone wants to. Sometimes even just have a conversation around things that and opportunities that may be available to them. And if anybody has kind of or is acquiring a vision impairment, um, it's it's really simple to to make a referral to NCBI and, and same to join Vision Sports. It can all be done online via the referral on NCBI and, and become a member on Vision Sports. So we're we're pretty easy to to engage with. That's it. And as I said there, it's great for for people like yourself that has a visual impairment. You know, I think, and people with any disability or ability that you know, the it, it makes it kind of well not easier, but it's uh, it's easier to kind of go through things if you can focus on the positive things like what you can do rather than what you can't do, and for people to see that. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's really important to us, and a number of our staff have vision impairments throughout both organisations as well, and and that helps drive our work. So we're always about the possibility and not the disability in in both vision sports and NCBI, and we're always trying to to promote inclusive opportunities and and inclusion is is like you said, we're we're friends and family are are treating everybody the same whether they have a vision impairment or not, and you're engaging in the same things, and and that's really important to us too. That's it. Well, listen. Thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, to do the interview with us. And uh, yeah, like, like I said, I'd like to, if it's all right with yourself, and you know, at various different uh, times, it'd be lovely to kind of you know let this grow and kind of do maybe regular interviews so that uh, maybe the the listeners and and whoever's listening to this interview that they can hear uh, how it's grown uh, through through regular interviews. Yeah, yeah. Happy to do it. We're we're mm-hmm. always happy to kind of engage. 
No problem. That's great. Listen, thanks very much, uh, Sarah, Sarah, for doing uh, taking the time out to do the interview, and we look forward to taking uh, taking the time to. We look forward to doing an, an interview again soon, and uh, just to let people know, I suppose. Um, when, when are you travelling or when, when is it on again and uh, can people is it on YouTube are the matches on YouTube or can, can people follow you while you're over there yeah so at the moment we're not sure we're, we're trying to make sure that it'll be it'll be streamed at some point because not all the mammies are getting to go over and I think of my, my own mother included in that so I think if it's not streamed to some extent um, there, there'd be hell to pay so I'm sure if, if everybody follows the Vision Sports socials they'll be able to to monitor that and hopefully we'll have some live stream uh, available to us from that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's in it, the team are flying out on, on October 10th and, and back on October 16th. Um, it's in the Stade Mayol in, in Toulon, France, which any kind of supporter of, of the province teams have, have probably attended at some point. So it's pretty big, a pretty big stadium to play in. It's a bit of a, a bit of a jump from UCD where we played the last time. So it's, it's pretty exciting. No problem. Listen, thanks very much for that and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks very much. And that's uh, Sarah McFadden from Vision Sports Ireland and uh, NCBI and uh, also a member of the Ireland Visually Impaired squad that's travelling to the World Cup. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's uh, Visually Impaired Visually Impaired. Um, Tennis with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and of course, as always, to tell us about how they got on in the world, in the world visually impaired games, where um, he he was coach for the Ireland uh, visually impaired tennis team. We have Wesley Wesley O'Brien. Hello, Wesley. How are you? Are you well? Hi, Aidan. Good, yeah. Good, good, to, good to have you back. Good to have you back. Yeah, well, we did, uh, back in early July, promise that uh, we'd have a... Uh, we, we we get in contact with you and have a reflection on uh, how the games went. Um, you know the world, the championships went for you, and uh, yeah, preparations went well. You were saying before you went over, and of course the tournament, and you got plenty of publicity, which is great, great for both. I suppose the organisation and great for um, I suppose to get it out there to let people know with visual impairments that there is uh, that there are opportunities for sport for them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we were blown away by um, like the support we got. Like our first goal is actually to grow, you know, to grow the game a bit around the country. Um, you know, our goal is always to get at least one visually impaired and blind tennis program in every county in Ireland. So that's like thirty-two, you know, programs that we would love to get going. I think we're in about fifteen or sixteen at the moment. Um, but what now leading up to the game we were very lucky to get a lot of national radio on Morning Ireland with RTE and Off the Ball we were lucky to be on, on Ireland AM on television on August the 18th they were very good to put us on for a slot um, which was seen by like a lot of people we ended up getting a good luck message from the T-shirt the T-shirt did a personal message wishing the team the very best of luck um, and Michael D. Higgins sent on a letter to the team just wishing them all the best in the games and so it was it's fantastic for them and the work that they've put in but the publicity was brilliant and you know and growing the game you know it really is what it's all about and not just you know blind and visually impaired tennis but you know blind and visually impaired sports in general because it it's a social outlet it can change people's lives it can change people's it's getting them out of the house it's getting them through something new it's meeting friends the competitive side of it is always there for people who want to do that. But it is more so the social side of it and the mental health 
um, you know, a side of it that's crucial that we're trying to grow. That's great, and the the publicity is great as well. But uh, can you take us through, I suppose, to traveling over, and I suppose once you got over there, uh, the preparation for the tournament itself, and uh, you know, you were saying like for for the first uh, for the first time you went over, you, you know, it was um, you learned a lot, and you know, considering it was the first one, you you did quite well. Yeah, we did. Like I said, we it was like a seven day like a seven-day trip for us. Um, so we would have travelled over on April the 21st and then we would have had a practice day on the 22nd and then the competition started on the, the 23rd to the 27th. So it was like a five-day competition. Um, yeah, it was, you know, some very strong teams. This is the first time ever that tennis has been um, involved in the world of blind sports games, which are held every four years, so effectively an, an Olympic Games of of blind and visually impaired uh, visually impaired sports. So, I think roughly there was about one thousand two hundred and fifty athletes from about seventy two countries competing in sports. And you know, like even though this was my third World Championships, you know, a lot of the players were there for the first time and. They got a great kick out of like going down to the canteen or the restaurants or the other village in the morning and seeing the the other teams from Iraq and Ukraine and Azerbaijan and and Jamaica, you know, all these different, you know, countries from like around the world and they were like, you know what, this is incredible, you know, to actually be part of something like this, you know, which is brilliant. But you know, we 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 done really well. You know, we had five of the team their very first time competing. Um, two of those got to bronze medal matches. So effectively, they finished fourth in the world, um, which was fantastic. We had one lady, Marguerite Quinn, who has an inspirational story. She's from Limerick. And one girl, um, Rhea, who's only 17, so she's got a great future um, playing for Ireland. So they both got to bronze medal matches. And, you know, everyone got a world ranking out of it, which is what we wanted. That's great, and I suppose there's a reflection of, uh, I suppose, the hard work, like I said, you know, put in by yourself, put in by the players, but also by everyone else in the background as well. There was a lot, uh, a lot of preparation for this, both for the players, but there was other aspects to it as well. That uh, for for preparation, obviously, the travel, um, you, you know, I suppose the training leading up to it, uh, the logistics of it, get, just fine tuning things. Um, you know that that's uh, that that's what led. It, it was great to see the war- rewards of, of all that hard work, both by the players yourself and and everyone else uh, that rode in behind you as well. And I suppose sponsors, everyone, supporters, families as well. Um, you you know was key to it as well. And I suppose it, it was handy that it was like in Birmingham, so it wasn't too far to travel. Um, you know it was a new experience. So. Um, I suppose for the, there is another one, a standalone tournament. You were saying coming up as well. So these, uh, if they, the, I'd say it'll be mostly the same players that'll be co- competing in that as well. So they'll have this the experience of this. There were games, uh, like you yeah. said, they'll have that experience behind them. So they'll they, they'll kind of know what to expect going into the into the next uh, tournament uh, that you were saying, which is a standalone tournament, and indeed next year when it's on when the visually impaired world games are on again. Yeah, it's like I said, we, we had a tremendous amount of support. We had we had some fantastic sponsors, Progressive Vision in in they came on board. Um 
they're were wonderful in what they do with their kind of vision, you know, like a vision company themselves. We had Tia Pharma um, in Castlebar in Mayo that came on board with us and they supported us well. Um, you know, we had the other, we had, like I was lucky enough to be a national team as well as one of the coaches, but we had other coaches like Simon McFarland from Belfast and Anne-Marie Breen from, from Dublin. You know, everyone came over. We wouldn't be here without a man called Liam O'Donoghue from Shankill Tennis Club in Dublin. He was the guy who, I suppose, started blind tennis in in Ireland back in 2017. He was over in London and he saw this being done in London and he said he must bring this to Ireland. Um, so, like, I've pretty much been involved in this from the very start. So, you know, everyone has been, you know, so supportive and the good luck message we got, like I said, for, for sure, from the president and around the country just wishing as well. You know, it's all about the team. It's all about the players. And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm starting to tell people is that, you know, when we when people see these players play and when they watch them online and when they go on their lives, you know, we want them to say, wow, rather than, oh, you know, that yeah. was always a big job, you know. It's great. Oh, you know, did they get to do something? You know, okay, that's part of it, but we want them to say, wow, rather than, oh, you know, that was very important. You know, to see the ability level that they have is incredible. It, it really is. That's great. And, um, you just mentioned their uh, Vision Sports Ireland. Would you believe, I was telling you off air about uh, Sarah McFadden. She's a member mm-hmm. of the um, the Ireland visually impaired rugby team. They're, they're going to the Rugby World Cup in France. Um, you know, well, it's, it's actually um, old Wesley, but because it's the only club in uh, in Ireland at the moment. But would you believe she she actually works for visually for Vision Vision Sport Ireland, and uh, she's involved with uh, National Council for the Blind as well. So that's a, that's another uh, lovely conve- lo- mm. another lovely connection. You probably you probably uh, dealt with her, I suppose, in one way or another. Uh, but I, yeah, I just got, I did a Zoom call with her earlier on. So that that that's a lovely connection there, isn't it? I do. I know. No, Sarah. Sarah's like a lot of the work that I do is obviously. Um, so I know Sarah well, and um, I know a lady called Rosie Cure who also was involved with Vision Sports. And Sarah and Rosie actually came over to Birmingham to the team play. So. Right. A certain the the other girl you're talking about. She came over and watched us for about two or three days. So it was great to see her over there and Rosie, of course, just supporting us. But Vision Sports have been fantastic, and Tennis Ireland have been fantastic. And you know, you know, Tennis Ireland has a new CEO at the moment, um, a guy called Kevin Quinn, who is like absolutely amazing. He was, I think, he was 25 or 30 years with. Um, involved with Leinster Rugby in some form or another and he's come over to Tennis Ireland now Kevin Quinn and he's been absolutely amazing in support for, for the Vision Pair tennis team um, you know he's been fantastic he really has you know so Tennis Ireland has been a big part of it that's great, and it's great to see all these organisations coming together to make it possible for. I suppose, they, and you, uh, some people say it's a, it's a cliche, but you know, it, it means that these player, these tennis players that can be 
the best versions of themselves that they can be and learn a lot of skills along the way and obviously said that their mental well-being keep them fit and healthy and uh, I suppose it, it is for, for that period of time it is like living like a professional because everyone is together they have all the gear they're training while they're over there they're playing at a high level obviously it's international uh, everyone is proud of them and uh, you know it's a huge achievement like you said for them to get to the uh, to the bronze uh, stage is, is a huge achievement for the first tournament so you know it, it's great for you as a coach and for every for everyone involved to see that for the you know to to get that achievement so soon and uh, it means that, I suppose it means means that you're you're looking forward to the next couple of tournaments as well so can you t- can you tell us a bit more about the the upcoming tournaments and uh, what preparations are going on for that yeah, we have a couple. We There's a couple of tournaments now coming up because a lot of the players have played at the World Games now. We've got an invite to the the uh, UK National Championships. So the, so the U, so United Kingdom and um, Visually Impaired and Blind Tennis Championships. Now, you know, there's a couple of nations in the world that would be considered to be the elite. They have a lot of players and, you know, Great Britain and the UK team are, are one of those countries. You know, that's where, you know, we would like to be. Um, you know, countries like Australia are very strong. Germany, Poland, they're all very strong, um, very strong nations. So even getting the now to in November, which we have to look and see and make preparations for that now and make sure everyone um, gets a chance to go over if they want to. That's coming up um, in November. Um, and it's just a case of you now it's building on what what happened in Birmingham. It's a case of building on the media that we got, you know, to build up all the media has to start something now, you know, because you know the world out there, the players are out there, the sport is out there. Um, we were we've been very lucky as well. Um, Senator Mike Senator Martin Conway, Dal Aaron is after giving us an invite to Dal Aaron. Um, in October to go up and himself and the minister. So again, that's going to be more media for the team. And, you know, it's just about, you know, giving them the boost. You know, yeah. it was always a case of more media is that when we walked through Dublin Airport, you know, I wanted people to say, look, there's the Irish, you know, visually impaired and blind tennis team. You know, yeah. they knew who we were. You know, and that's a great boost for them. It's a great boost for the players and you know, it's about being an inspiration for their communities. They're going to go back to Waterford and Limerick and Sligo, you know, and they're going to be an inspiration to to the people around them that no matter what happens to you in life, you can still come through it. You can still achieve what you want to achieve and achieve your dreams. You know, I mean, a number of them now, I mean, they're playing for Ireland. They're representing their country. Again, this was not a... Oh, isn't this a great little tournament? Isn't this a oh tournament? Look at the lovely people. You know, this is a serious tournament. This is mm. world champion for them. It's the best in the world at what they do. You know, and they have played at that level. Um, a tremendous boost for them and their families. Because and no matter what it does, yeah, yeah it, it inspires. It inspires others. Um, you know. With uh, that's are that are visually impaired and say, I didn't know this. You know, this this is something I want to do. And you know, the fact that these players have done it over in Birmingham, you know, they might say, well, if they can do it now, you know, maybe I can prepare and start training and get get involved, and I can be there too in a couple of years' time or 
Well, well obviously everyone kind of develops at different uh, at different yeah. rates, but it's still an inspiration that they can go, I suppose, from couch to, to tennis court, I suppose, really, from um, realising that, you know, from going from, well, I never thought I'd be able to achieve it or, you know, looking and say, oh, well, I wouldn't be able to achieve that. And next thing they realise, they see others doing it and say, well, yeah, it's worth doing it and we, we can do it. And I'm going to start, and that—that's what it is. It's about getting the information as well from your from your own from your own um, Facebook page and from the from the websites as well, and you know, getting in contact with the people and finding out when trends are and and taking it from there. Really, isn't it? Yeah, we have. Like I said, the next step now is trying to build on on what we did in Birmingham, what everyone else did, and growing more programs. Um, I think the nearest program that we have to you guys is um, Athlone. So we have nice. a program up and running in Athlone with juniors and seniors. The guy, there, yeah, Oliver McGrath. Um, I was helping, I, I was part of the process in in starting up that uh, program there with the Westmead uh, Sports Partnership. So they were very good and we got one going, you know, up and going and We've won in Tralee and we have won in Killaloo, my own one in Killaloo. So, um, yeah, anyone who's interested, like I said, just type in, you know, visually impaired tennis, you know, to your search engine, contact Vision Sports, contact Tennis Ireland. Um, you have my own details, so please pass on yeah. my, if anyone's in contact with the show, one, you know, they can contact you and you can get, you know, my details off me because um, I'm heavily involved with it now around the country, um, which it. I love doing. It's changed me as a coach, being involved right. with this. Really and of course, I suppose you as a coach, you're always learning as well and meeting new people and meeting other coaches as well because, uh, you know, there are other coaches that are learning from you, you're learning from them. And I think that's what makes makes it a better sport because I suppose there are some aspects of it that you mightn't have thought of that there had, and there's uh, aspects that you're teaching other that, you know, coaches can learn from each other as well, as well as players learning from each other and, players learning from coaches and all that, which is great. And it's a, it's positive all around, really, isn't it? No, it is. Like, you know, I find that in the beginning, a lot of coaches are, a, li- a lot of tennis coaches are a little bit apprehensive about, um, about teaching, you know, blind tennis anyway, whatever about visually impaired tennis. They're yeah. a little bit offish, you know, because it is a different way of teaching it. It does take a long time, especially the B1 players who would be, like completely blind. Mm. Um, that takes a long process to get them even hitting the ball over the net. It's not something that happens quickly. Mm. Um, and then a lot of coaches get a bit impatient, you know, like, like not with the player, but with themselves. They get a bit impatient with themselves that they're not progressing the player as quickly as they would like. Um, but they just need to know that it takes time and it takes, you know, it, it just takes a level of patience and, you know, it'll come. But, um, you know, anyone who is interested, any coaches who are interested now, I know I know a lot of the coaches around the country because tennis in this country is, is, like tennis coaching is is a small enough community. Yeah. You know, we all know each other or know of each other. Um, so if anyone was interested in, you know, even myself now in recent, in, in the last six months, I've, I've started being involved in, in wheelchair tennis down here in Limerick. Um, no, I've never come from, from a wheelchair tennis background, but, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning the process. I'm learning the turns. I'm learning what's involved with that. Um, and any coach should know that, 
you know, you're not going to come at it and think, you know, you're going to be an expert at this. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to have to learn it. You're going to have to, you know, admit, you know, make a few mistakes and all that. But um, I, tell, I just think what you're doing for people is more important than than getting them to that competitive level. I think yeah. the social side is more important than the competitive level. If they get there, they get there. It's fantastic. But um, it's not the most important thing. You know, people are the most important thing here. That's it. And, uh, like, you're, you're getting a lot from us, uh, from yourself. And, uh, you know, like, I since, since I've started talking to you and doing, doing interviews, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it has me thinking different ways. And it, it, it's always, because, like, even in what I do as a physio and different things like that, or even, like, uh, you know, being involved in teams or even things on the radio, you're all, you, you never know everything. You're always learning something every day. Every day is a school day. I'm sure it's the same for you and it's the same for the, for the play, for, for the players and all that. And that's in, in, in any sport. And, uh, I suppose, like, I suppose the, the day you think you know everything or you know everything is kind of the day to give it up because, um, I suppose the attraction, it, it there isn't the same attraction then. You, it, that's what strives. I suppose to, to to love doing it and to keep going is to be always learning something new, and that's the that's the great thing about sports. Not not just tennis, but sport in general, isn't it? Oh, look! I mean, we have tennis coaches and you know soccer coaches and football coaches and GEA coaches. You know, we have a massive responsibility. Mm. I think no matter what sport you teach, no matter what, because we're not just teaching sports, teaching. We're teaching kids. We're teaching adults, you know, and, you know, you know, never underestimate the power that you have on a child or a teacher or even a school teacher. They could, I mean, we have a huge responsibility, I think, mm. because, you know, as well as our mums and dads, you know, we have the ability, we have the responsibility, we have the opportunity to shape a child and, you know, what they want to grow up and become. You know, you know all of that. What it, what we, what you have become, what I have become, what your listeners have become. You know, that's all been mums and their dads, and yeah. their school teachers, and their sports coaches, and it all rolls in one. So we have a massive responsibility to kids and adults and people around the country because you know we can just help a child grow up to be the person they get to be. You know, so that's it. I think and as long as we. It's about everyone coming together to to to, to give these the, the, to give the players the opportunity, I suppose, in, in any sport, and uh, that that's what everyone is doing, and that's what sports does. So, and uh, yeah, so we might uh, we, in in the near future we might uh, touch base with you again, and uh, we'll uh, look further uh, n- nearer to the next tournament, and we'll look forward to that. And uh, mm-hmm. in the meantime, all, all the best of luck to yourself and the players, and uh, preparing for the for the next tournament. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Love it. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Thanks very much. And that was Wesley O'Brien from uh, Visually Impaired and Blind uh, Tennis telling us all about the tournament in Birmingham, the World World Championship Games in uh, Birmingham. Okay, there's going to be a massive show tonight down in the Drum Community Centre out the Roscommon Road, and that is the Grand Slam Wrestling Promotion is coming to town. And one of the big attractions from a local perspective is a young local man by the name of James McManus. And James is actually on the line to both talk about the event and also to talk about how he got into the business of professional wrestling. James, how are you doing? 
Not too bad, Robbie, now yourself. Not too bad. James, thanks a million for joining us on the show. Really good to talk to you. We'll start with a question I'm sure you've been getting over the last couple of days quite a bit, James. What drew you to the world of professional wrestling? It's it's a strange one now. Um, just from uh, growing up, I come from an Irish background, you see. I have three brothers and three sisters, and I have loads of cousins and stuff like that. So I remember growing up, at the weekend, we used to kind of get together, I think like a family kind of reunion, as you could say. And there was always kind of wrestling in the background. It was my uncles watching it or my cousins watching it. And I just kind of drew an eye to it more than my brothers or sisters or my cousins later down the line, as a, as you know now that I'm actually performing tonight. So just that this. Absolutely. And you're obviously from around the Athlone and South Briscommon area, I believe. Yeah. You actually played football in your younger days for Clannagale, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Clannagale, yeah. So um, I'm from the Bailout region and I went to school in primary school in Carnafulla. So Clannagale will be my local GAA team. Okay. And when did you first start wrestling? Where did you first learn the basics of professional wrestling? So it'd be coming up to nine years now. Um, I've seen a post on Facebook saying, do you want to be a professional wrestler? Please email your, uh, just your query stuff to this email. And um, well, my mother does it, uh, permission. I did it. Um, she's not too happy about it. But, <laughs> but when you're young and kind of stupid, you can do anything to just to see what it's like. So um, I emailed this guy called James Tig. He's originally from England, but uh, he came over. I done kind of a training school for two, three months. And if you like this or if you kind of stuck it out after three months, he can take you on your wing and he'll show you the ropes of professional wrestling. And I'm here ever since. Talk to us about when you first started training. How tough is it on your body in the beginning? Oh, it's, it's I, I as you know I played Gaelic growing up and I played football I played soccer and I tried my hand at other sports and stuff like that but uh, professional wrestling has this kind of stigma to being fake but uh, I can tell you now that there's nothing fake about it it's very it's very sore to the body when you first start now but like that's like in every sport you know you come home with bruises and you home with little aches here and there like but um, after a while you kind of get used to it. So hopefully now that I'm nine years into it, that I don't really feel the pain anymore. So that's kind of a plus side to it. You mentioned the F word there, the fake word. I know wrestlers really hate when people use that word about professional wrestling. What's your response to those people? I know you addressed it, but if anybody comes up and says, Asher, that's all fake. What's your response to those people? Look, it's each their own, you know, like you can stand there and argue with them but if you don't have an interest in professional wrestling they don't really know what's going on they might see something a clip on YouTube or on Facebook where a punch mightn't hit someone or a kick mightn't land properly like and they would like oh it's fake it's fake though. but with the wrestling fans they have an idea of what's going on which is good which is good and they don't really seem to care about this whole fake word but but um on a normal day today, people don't really kind of use that word. They're kind of more interested the behind the scenes kind of stuff, like how right. does it work? And like how, how did you, again, how did you get involved and stuff like that? The question keeps popping up every now and again, like so. 
you've been in the business nine years. Have you had any serious injuries in that time? Or how do you deal with those? Because obviously it's got to wear your body out quite a bit doing that kind of bumping every single day. Yeah, thankfully now I have no serious injuries. Like, you know, I might come home with a few bruises on my back, you know, or I might come home with like an old sore ankle or something like that. But thankfully there's nothing... I haven't I haven't done major damage to my body so far anyway. But the the key to it I think is it's just kind of treat your body like you treat your car, like you know. You kind of have to prepare your body to do this. So you can't just jump in the ring and flip around the place. Like so outside of this is again like outside of wrestling, gym work is very important, you know, stretching uh, rehab after the after the matches after the workouts you know eating right getting getting your water in make sure your your liquids are good for the day and stuff like that so thankfully when I first started we were kind of bet into us that you have to look after your body if you want to have a long career in this kind of business you know so thankfully I took that advice on board and I'm here nine years later and you can say that I had no serious injuries so which is which is a plus. And James, who were your inspirations growing up watching the product? Uh, growing up, it was kind of, I was there when kind of John Cena first started. I know he's kind of retired now, so I kind of feel old. So like John Cena, The Rock, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Stone Cold, like all them, but just all the characters are larger than life, you know, like The Undertaker, you know. When you're growing up, you believe he actually was a dead man and he came back to life, you know, but as you kind of grow up, you kind of realize that it's not it's not as real as they make it out to be. But like, um, what keeps drawing me back to the wrestling is the kind of the drama to it, the kind of right. mixture between everything. Like, you know, you might be into into Marvel movies and stuff like that. You like the action, but this is kind of action live, if you get me. You know, there's, yeah. there's only one take. So you can't, if you do mess up, unfortunately, you still have to continue on. You can't cut the cameras and roll it back and try another few times. So, like, that's what kind of kept me into wrestling, you know, is the, is the action to it, the storylines, the gimmicks, the just the larger-than-life characters themselves. So, obviously, there's now a few Irish wrestlers on the biggest stages, the likes of... Becky Lynch, Seamus, JD McDonough, Finn Bauer. Has their success given you hope one day of maybe making it onto a WWE or AEW platform? Yeah, Seamus was kind of my was kind of my kind of kick in the backside, if you want to say it, to kind of follow this kind of dream. Uh growing up obviously there was Finley, but you never really kind of heard of him. He wasn't really on the, wasn't really postered everywhere, you know? Yeah. But when Shane came on the scene, he just blew it up. Like, you know, he was champion in a matter of months or weeks. And, uh, like, he's still wrestling today. Like, so when I seen him doing this, I thought that I could do it. So then I started looking around, you know, and kind of, saying to myself that right I can move over to England I move over to America at a young age though but thankfully like again I found a I found a skill like a training camp in the Midlands and I'm I'm here ever since Aside from the main two obviously you've got WWE and AEW at the moment you have New Japan for example have you ever thought about maybe going further than WWE and trying 
other palettes of wrestling, so to speak? Is that on your bucket list, maybe? Yeah, like the thing is, is like the thing now, then 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even that like the internet kind of brought more eyes to wrestling. Like, you know, like uh, you can go on the internet now and watch wrestling from Mexico that you never even heard of, or like again, New Japan. Like, we're just a small little island, Ireland. Like, whoever thought you'd be able to watch wrestling from, um, from Mexico or Japan or even Australia. So, like, that kind of opened the door. So it's not just WWE or AEW. Like, I don't know if you watched the show on Netflix, The Wrestler, the OVW documentary. Right. That's pretty good. Like, so that brought new eyes to that company, you know, and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, if WWE, if it doesn't work out or TNA, like, there's all other companies there that are building a name and you can make a kind of living off it. So, like, wherever opportunity comes, I, like, again, I'm ready. I'd love to chance my arm at it and see what comes out of it. Just to bring it back to Ireland for a second, how do you rate the state of professional wrestling in Ireland? What kind of reputation does wrestling have in Ireland at the moment? So, Ireland's wrestling scene is after taking off in the last couple of years. I think, yet again, since last since I started nine years, there's a one of the biggest companies now in Dublin, OTT, ran by Joe Cabret, and he brought loads of new eyes and new talent onto the scene of Irish wrestling, which is very good because, again, the thing with Ireland is, if someone makes it, we all kind of make it. Like, you know, we're all rooting for that person. I might not have met it, but if the person beside me met it, we're rooting for that person to do the best they can. Not just for themselves, but just for Ireland wrestling in general. Because years ago, if you wanted again, like you want to be a wrestler, you have to move to England or you have to move to America. There's only one or two handful schools in Ireland and even at that you'd be driving the back roads trying to get there like there weren't in a prime location if you get me right yeah so uh, wrestling now in Ireland it has a booming you know, early in every county there's actually nearly a wrestling company so which is good it means more work for me if I get on the shows and stuff like that there's more work for other talent and stuff like that so um, in the last nine years I'd say we're on the we're on the incline anyway so and hopefully that we won't hit a plateau anytime soon I'm just very curious as to what your thoughts are on the state of the business obviously wrestling has gone through some booms over the last 20-30 years what's your opinion on the current state of wrestling in general worldwide um, again like I, I refer back to earlier on the internet I met like so made more people open up to like different types of wrestling so like I grew up watching WWE so I always have a small I always have a small kind of like favoritism for WWE because that's what I grew up to know and love but um, again you can't please everyone so what they're doing now might suit other people but the beauty about wrestling is that alright you might like WWE but New Japan is doing something that you might like. Right. Or AEW is doing something completely different where you might find interest in that. So, as a whole, I think the wrestling scene now is at the, at the best in terms of, like, fan-wise because you're not just stuck to one promotion like years ago. It was, like, WWE and that was it. And then WCW came along and then it went and stuff like that. But now with the access to the internet, you can just type in any 
any name wrestling company wants it and you'll find videos and shows and stuff like that like so I think I personally think it's on it's on the up and up like it's the best I've ever ever been like If you were to describe your style of wrestling to people what can they expect to see this weekend? So I'm kind of an old school like kind of paying tribute to say Finley you know like an old or even Seamus like in brawler old school brawler the kind of way like Right. So um, it'd be hard hitting. Uh, I can do a few flips and stuff like that. So I can, so like my move says is just not brawling. So I won't be just, I won't be caught out if you get me. So I can throw a few flips in, in my move set or I can, uh, I can do a few submissions, you know, a few grapples as well. So it just, it kind of depends on my, on my opponent. If it's, um, if I'm fighting, uh, a brawler, I might go with a brawler and submission. If I'm fighting a high flyer, I throw in a few high flying moves as well just to throw them off their game. So I'm kind of all rounded in a sense, but mostly be a brawler, grappler kind of kind of fighting style. Is there a particular type of opponent you enjoy locking up with in the ring? Uh, everyone, to be honest with you. Everyone is different. Everyone is, is not a when you step into the ring, you never know what's going to happen. Again, I said like it's live action. You never know what's going to happen. So when you're in the ring with veterans, you learn a lot about how they learn how they learn how to wrestle, different kind of techniques you can pick up and put into your move set. And then when you're start, then when you're in the move, in the ring with people that are just starting off, you can kind of tell them to here, relax, enjoy yourself, you know. Right. Every person I step in the foot, every person I step in the ring with, I just enjoy it because again, we both love wrestling. We we wouldn't be in this business if we didn't love wrestling. So it's just kind of a nice moment to be there acting the maggot, you could say, <laughs> for for how long, whatever. So um, I won't really have a favorite opponent is just like every opponent is new so every match is a different match you know there's never a same match if you get me absolutely hello everyone how you doing you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself Aidan Raftery and the show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town um, I'd just like to take the opportunity to thank everyone that uh, contributed to the, to the show today uh, all the interviews thanks very much for everyone that, that tuned in and uh uh, and everyone that uh, was supportive of the show today and of course um it was great to talk to uh to it was great to talk to Sarah and of course Wesley and uh, thanks I'd like to thanks uh, I'd like to thank Robbie Mulvey from Atlanta Community Radio for uh, sending me on that interview with uh, with John McManus as well there on wrestling something different for the show and uh, yeah so we hope you enjoyed that um, unfortunately we've come to the end of the show but we hope you enjoyed everything that we had on the show today and uh, you know let let's all uh, we're we're all excited and really looking forward to the game tomorrow against Scotland so uh, enjoy the match and of course if you're going to any other uh, sporting uh, match or any other sporting event over the weekend enjoy enjoy it and uh, we'll talk to you again next week so thanks very much bye